the bar was already set at the beginning of the season. We, we know what we're capable of, we're going to keep on going. We came in the season knowing what we wanted to do and having a goal, you know, just winning games, and, uh, you know, we're finally doing it. Well, the expectations are getting higher and higher for a program that is still very early into the 2022 season. Welcome into the Orange Zone, everyone. Samantha oh, yeah. Croston, Tommy Sladek, our sports director, Brendan Hodges, our producer. And you can see we have a totally new and different setup here. We're starting our podcast form. And Tommy, this room. It's I mean, beautiful. first things first. It's uncanny. Shout out Brian and Nelly, our operations guy, really the brains behind this. Caitlin Richards, our EP, Andy Wolf. A lot of people... Put some effort into this, and honestly, the way they, what they created is, it's awesome. And you can tell it's a little different. Last week we were on the desk. It was a little more formal. But now we're trying something new, trying something different. We want a different feel, a little more informal. Mm -hmm. Maybe you could tell our viewers about where to find this, what we're kind of trying to do here. Yeah, so this is going to be YouTube. It's going to be a weekly format. Um, We're looking at normally a Wednesday drop. If something else we're waiting on, maybe a a big exclusive interview that week, it could get pushed back. But for the most part, getting it out there for SU fans as soon as possible on YouTube. Our CMY Central YouTube page, Orange Zone will be the podcast and the playlist. But CMY Central is going to be where you're going to be subscribing, subscribing for this. And we appreciate everybody taking some time out of their yeah, week, spend some time with us, because we're big Q's fans. And I feel like I want everyone to get to know a little bit more about us and who we are. We're with CMY Central, but Tommy, tell us a little bit about your background and kind of who you are, why this means a lot to the you. The full thing. All right. Born March 11th, 1994. My brother's birthday. Really? Exactly. Never knew that. Hey, you learned something new on the first podcast. March 11th. I like it. Let's go. Okay. But anyway, so grew up outside of Philadelphia, uh, went into broadcasting, originally had a dream of playing in the NBA. How'd that like, go? Not great. I was like 5'4 <laughs> going into ninth grade. I'm like, well, this isn't happening. Um, switched over to broadcasting. Spent two years in Jefferson City, Missouri. Been in Syracuse for four. And yeah, sports has just been a big part of my life. I was the, the black sheep on my father's side. Big football players. I went the soccer route, but still very much fell in love with college football, fell in love with the NFL. Talking about it, it doesn't feel like a job. It's awesome. You were 5'4", going into ninth grade. Going into ninth grade, yeah. I didn't grow to college. And this is a tall dude. This is a tall dude we're looking at. I mean, folks. Yeah. Better late than never. But in terms of athletic level, you two taught me. Easily. (laughs) Easily. Well, a little bit more about me. I have a brother whose birthday is March 11th, but I'm from Long Island. I grew up playing lacrosse. That was my big sport. Played lacrosse over at Colgate. I was a goalie there. So I've been in the upstate area for five or six years now. CMY Central is my first station. And same as you. I love... I love Orange Nation, I love Syracuse Athletics, and I love the fan base here. And I really feel like it sticks out and it goes above and beyond other fan bases, the way that they pay attention to sports, keep up with sports, and love the sports here. But there is a third person in this room. It's the only person who plays football out of all three of us, and it's Brendan Hodges, our producer. Brendan, Brendan. what's up? Give us the lowdown. I was born in February. Okay. <laughs> Just, saying. Wondering. Just saying. Um, yeah, uh, from Missouri. Uh, so a lot of connections here. I'm not from Jeffco, but I'm from just outside of St. Louis. Um, did everything there was to do there. Played mm-hmm. every sport there was to play, except you know tennis, golf, 
lacrosse because that's not a thing in the Midwest. Mm. And, like growing there, but not a real thing there. Went to school in Minnesota, small D3 school called McAllister. You probably haven't heard of it. Well, you, you two have. I know, I, yeah. yeah I brag stories. about them because they've won their first two games this season. Uh, ironically, I traded that navy and orange for SU's navy and orange. Went to grad school with our lovely host, Samantha Croston, here. Your position real quick in college. Oh, wide receiver, tight end. There you go. Wide receiver, tight end. One reception through my first three years Hey-o. of college. Better than none. It, exactly. Well, it was for negative two yards in the sprained <laughs> MCL. But um, I, I did end up getting that very elusive receiving touchdown. Um, and that's a story for another time because there was a whole other thing that happened like after that game to the team that we played. Um, but this is an SU podcast, not a McAllister and Grinnell College podcast. Yeah, we'll have a segment coming up for that. <laughs> we'll we will we'll definitely have um, a segment coming up called Brendan's Stories. But oh, until yeah. then... Uh, well, we already have a segment that I get to run in this show. So I'm very happy about that. But, trivia, um, folks. Yeah, what, why you gotta like do that, man? I thought it was a nice little... Tease ahead for it's the folks telling at home. You, We work in the news business, and you're like, oh, trivia. It's like no, no that was a good I'm trivia, folks. That was a that you didn't you didn't find that. To no, be a I'm not saying perception? that the tone was bad. I'm saying that you gave away what my segments are. Oh, about. I mean, but with it, I didn't give away the question, right? Obviously not. I haven't told you the question. Yeah. So to me, I think that just gets people more inclined to, okay, to okay, stay okay, tuned. Okay. 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 Um, anyway, anyway, so. Um, I went back home after grad school, and then I got a call from Sam saying, hey, there's this job that I think you should apply for, thus I'm here. Happy to be here. First foray into the news sports thing, so I'm, I'm very excited for this, even if I have this pole right next to me. And We're going to work around I am, that. Uh, we are going to work around that, but for now I'm going to step aside and let you guys do your thing, because there's a lot to talk about with SU football this season. There is a lot, and again, we appreciate everybody coming. Orange Zone is going to be found on that YouTube page. It's weekly. We're going to be talking about predictions and positions and a bunch of different teams and asking some exciting questions around the room. But as we're kind of trying to figure out our identity, have you all along with us, SU Football trying to do the exact same thing. They won their first two games. It's the first time that that's happened since 2018. And we are back here at the JMA Wireless Dome for the biggest game of the year. So, Tommy, who do you think that this 2022 team is? Biggest game of the year to date, because we're talking about a schedule here that is, let's just say there's some top 25 teams mm-hmm. on here. I think this is going to be a big, challenging year. But from what we've seen so far, Sam, it's a it's a team that has gone through heartbreak. It's a You're talking about a roster where numerous guys experienced the 1-10 in 10 season in 2020, Numerous players experienced the 5-7 and seven year in 2021, which in a weird way for some fans, I think, think almost stings more because of mm. how many close games, how much heartbreak this fan base and these players went through at the Dome was, it was tough to absorb. So here in 2022, more than anything, you have an offense coming in that was ready for the quarterback that is starting at that position in Garrett Schrader. Not a QB battle, but number six coming in and making quick work. And certainly Coach and I making all the difference as we've seen. You have Garrett Schrader in a position where, and we've discussed this, but he came in as the starter this year and he knew he was the starter. Coach Babers told him that he was going to be the starter 
months in advance. So he had that under his belt. He knew where he was headed. And I think that's a different situation than when you look at a year ago when he was fighting with that position against Tommy DeVito. You see what I mean? There was almost that delay to the start of the season. And in, 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 truly, they weren't named till week four. So there was that what's going to happen here in... If a fan base is thinking like that, a team's going to be feeling the same way because you have two different quarterbacks. They're all different. And so to have this one shaped and, and, and shifted and molded for Schrader with a new QB coach, not to mention just returning NFL talent on both sides of the football, it's making for a recipe that we've seen so far, and that's a team that's surprising a lot of people. And I gotta be honest, I've always felt that people do underestimate that mental component. I've been in those situations where you're, spite, you're fighting for a starting spot three, four, five games into the season, and I've never liked it. I don't think that it's good for anyone. I think that both quarterbacks or both goalies or whatever the position is, everyone's feeling tense. Everyone's feeling that pressure and that stress of, is this my last rep as a starter? And if that's your mindset and your mentality going into the game, it's hard to be focusing on what you actually have to do, throwing that ball, making that save. So I think that Garrett Schrader going into the season knowing, hey, you are a starting quarterback and we are going to design an offense that revolves around your performance and your ability to do well under it. I think that just put him at a complete and total advantage. And you've seen the way he's throwing the ball. Ten different receivers caught passes last game. What sticks out to you about the new offense, we'll call it? I think you just said it right there. It was spread out. It was divvied up. It was well balanced. And balanced in a sense that works well when you have an All-American and Sean Tucker. And so I think a lot of these opposing coaches, you like to think, were expecting number 34. They were expecting Garrett to run. But the way he's been passing... When you account for that, this is a very threatening offense. No doubt. And when you look at Purdue, they also have some threats. But I think one threat that we haven't talked about so far for this Purdue team is the Dome and the fans. That's something that could legitimately make a difference. We've heard from people at There's the ticket booth over at SU, a lot of buildup, and they're expecting a really big turnout. And guess what? Purdue's head coach had something to say about that being a factor in the upcoming game. Well, I don't know. I, I know I've coached and played there years ago, but, uh, you know, the noise is always going to be a factor. Uh, you've got to make sure that, uh, you know, visually you can see the ball, which I don't think would be a problem, but I've heard a few things here and there. But I really just think the, the noise aspect uh, for cadences and, and making sure that uh, we don't have many penalties uh, that are costly, uh, that uh, shouldn't happen. Uh, but it can happen in a loud situation. So that's something we got to work all week and make sure we're prepared for that. Coach Jeff Brom entering his sixth season at Purdue. Best record with him last year at 9-4. and four. And moving off that, the Dome is uh, it's bound to be the loud house. It really is. And even though it's a noon game, I think Otto's Army is going to be there in full force for a match that, at this point, Vegas expects to be pretty even. <laughs> Half a point. It's a, it's a pick em, really. It's a toss-up in this one. And you look at Purdue, and you look at what is it that's making them this threatening team, and it starts with the quarterback in Aiden O'Connell. He's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. Dino Babers had, has very high regard for what he's been able to do in his maturity to the game and also what's completely stood out, and it's not even close, Sam, through the first two weeks, is his connection with transfer wide receiver Charlie Jones. Jones, 21 receptions through the first two games. Transfer from Iowa, 
Turns out these two grew up together. Now I caught up with Mike Carmen. He's been covering Purdue for decades, and he sees something special here, obviously, with what we've seen with these two on that quarterback-wide receiver connection Syracuse has to watch out for. Hey, everybody. Welcome into this interview with Mike Carmen with the Lafayette Journal and Courier out in Indiana covering Purdue. Mike, how are you feeling heading into week three here? What type of game do you think it's going to be? Well, I think it'll be a close game. I think Purdue's destined to play a lot of close games this year, as you saw against Penn State. Uh, you know, they had the the blowout last week against Indiana State. But this is a team that, I, I you know, I think is going to uh, play it close. They don't, you know, they lost some stars from last year, and um, they don't have those type of players. They have some they have some really good players across the line. But I think this is a team that is destined to play a lot of close games and you know, it looks like them and uh, Syracuse are, you know, similar in a lot of ways. And um, I, I, I would anticipate a extremely close game on Saturday. Uh, regarding Charlie Jones, um, he, he's a transfer from Iowa. He left, he left that program late and he's been pretty blunt and clear why he left that program. He came to Purdue for the offense, a uh, chance to showcase his skills so he could potentially play at the next level. And he's a childhood friend of Aiden O'Connell. Uh, they grew up uh, playing youth football and baseball together in Illinois. They didn't go to the same schools, but, you know, they were chucking around and playing, you know, little gridiron or whatever you want to call it back in the day. And when Charlie made the decision to get in the portal, obviously Aiden was a great resource. And that's all Jeff Brown had to go on, really, because there's not there wasn't a lot of tape on Charlie Jones from Iowa catching the ball. More of tape of returning in the punt game but not catching the ball. So they, they relied on Aiden to give him a good scouting report. And so far it's worked out. You know, Aiden's going to go to him. He's he's the number one guy right now. Uh, he's got good speed, uh, pretty good separation uh, from what we've seen the first two games. But he's a guy that defenses need to pay attention to. And I would assume Syracuse will uh, double him or at least give the appearance that they have more people around him. Uh, but he, he's a legit player. Uh, leads the nation right now with receptions. Uh, I, I, I think that'll grow, <laughs> continue to to be there. Um, so, you know, but we'll, we'll see. But they do need to have a, a number two guy step up. And that might be their tight end as well. Payne Durham's a really good tight end, kind of been quiet the first two games. But I think as they get through this, the rest of the season, uh, they're going to have to use their tight end a little bit more. Yeah, that's my fun fact for the week. Easy. <laughs> Appreciate Mike making the time. And that's kind of what you get for going behind enemy lines there to kind of get a look at what this Purdue team and just the way he talks about Charlie Jones just lets you know that number 15 is going to be very much on the minds of Dino Babers, Tony White's defense, and of course, Garrett Williams, who I expect we'll see on this guy for most of the game. If I may, hey, receptions is one thing. I was looking this up a little bit earlier while uh, you all were doing the whole news gig thing. Oh, of course, of and course. He's also like tied for second in the nation in receiving touchdowns and top five in receiving yards. yards. This isn't a guy who just catches a quick little hit on or a, or a smoke screen on the edge and gets tackled for his 21 catches. He's down the field making plays down the field, going deep, intermediate routes, short stuff, and going on the run. It... He's not going to be a guy, easy guy to cover, even if you have a Garrett Williams or a Deuce Chestnut who you can just keep rotating and throwing at him over and over again. For, not to mention, just to add one on to that, of our layer of uh, hyping up Charlie Jones here, 
Big Ten returner of the year last year. So he'll also be taking punts and kicks. It just sounds like he's a do-it-all player. He wanted to come to Purdue for the offense. Um, but then again, like we mentioned, this is a well-rounded team. They took Penn State down to the wire. They blew out Indiana State. It's not a team to overlook. And I think seeing this game as a toss-up that we've seen with the game lines right now, I think it's right on the money. Oh, without a doubt. Well-rounded, balanced. And head coach Dino Baber is saying that this is one of the hardest quarterbacks that they are going to face the entire year. So mm -hmm. game three for both teams here. And in some ways, it seems, especially for SU, like the most important one yet. If SU wins this game, pulls it off, does that put them into a different conversation? What's at stake here? I think it lets everyone know it's, it's a team that can really head deep into the season. This is a team that, to me, they, they win this. They keep it competitive. It's a team that I wouldn't be surprised ends up knocking down some top 25 opponents, if not make it in there themselves. And to think that we'd be having this conversation week three, Sam, you told us about it in, in, in the offseason. People would have been very caught off guard, but the players never were. And you could mm -hmm. tell sometimes when you're around that team before the season, last year it didn't feel like this, but this August there just felt like a different energy with this team and seems like they're all on board with what they're trying to create. At what point for you – does this SU team become a part of the national conversation and possibly even the national rankings? After this week, I think we'll see them very much get a number of votes. Whether that cracks the top 25 depends on how the rest of the country shapes out, but I think you're very much putting them into the conversation where they're getting close. And for you, analysts? Uh, I Analyst, that's a very, very high title. There. <laughs> um, I agree. Um, let's take this from both perspectives. If SU wins, I would say they have less chance to get a vote just because Purdue only has one. Um, not to say that they won't get votes because, as we saw this last weekend, top 25 means nothing mm -hmm. this year, especially. Um, it's so going, early in the season, too. Oh, exactly. Just going down the list, Alabama down to the wire against Texas. They were number one. Um, Texas A&M lost. Notre Dame was ranked eighth to start the season. They've lost two in a row to start the season, and they're out of the top 25. And you got a ton of one-on-one -on -one teams in there. If SU ends up 3-0, and beating a team like Purdue in a conference than the Big Ten that I would argue is better as a whole top to bottom than the depth of the SEC even, that, that means something, and they should get a vote. Now, if Purdue wins, they most likely will get into the top 25 because you can rightly assume that a team towards the bottom of that ranking will fall out if they lose this weekend. So Purdue has a better chance to get that tangible number by their school's name SU has a relatively good chance to be considered to get into the poll with a win this weekend. Well, at some point, everyone needs to put their money where their mouth is, and I think it's prediction time. And I'm going to start with you, Tommy. you got to tell Let's us what you're it. thinking. I'm ready for this. And just to, just to, with the top 25 th five, uh, ranking, how this game ends, I think, will also mm. factor in. If we see a blowout going either way. Oh, definitely. But so far, we have a Syracuse team that has beat the spread both times. 
I think surprised a lot of people in week one, obviously, with a 31 to 7 win. Week two, they beat a team they were supposed to beat and they beat them bad, which shows to me also that's exactly what you want in a good team. I gotta keep I gotta keep riding with the orange this week, guys. I gotta keep riding with them. It's like how Done could so you not? Far. How can you not? I mean, it's not hard to pick the orange. The spread is no. less than a point. <laughs> yeah. According to Bally Sports, but yeah, that's bet, a uh, Bally Bet Sports. Bally Bet Sports Book. Yeah. That's a tongue twister. That is a tough one to say. Say that ten <laughs> times fast, Mister Slade. Do you want to give it a give it a try? But score, uh, Bally Bet Sports Book. Bally Bet Sports Book. Actually, that's not bad for you. I feel like I'm reading. Might be just the, you, I feel Brennan. like I'm reading the <laughs> Might be just you thing, Brendan. Anyway, score. I'm drifting. This one I've I've had a tough time with. I do believe. This is the first team that goes more than 20 points against this defense. And I don't think that's a dig against the defense. I just think the way I've seen Aiden O'Connell play, I just think he'll find his moments getting his team to score. But at the end of the day, I feel like this is a Andre Schmidt last few minutes, something that's going to matter. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a third quarter kick or if it's coming down to the end of the game, I see a three-point game. I'm going 30 to 28. Syracuse wins it. That is dangerously close to my pick, but I'm going to tell you why. So this is my thing. I think with SU, I'm definitely going orange, and i got to be honest and admit it. I went Louisville week one. I was one of those. I'm sorry to say now. But I think that when I watched the way they played against the Huskies, and I know that some analysts, some experts were concerned about them going up against a weaker opponent in a different venue, would they be able to rise to the level and play the way we all knew they could play as they had shown in their week one performance against a team that was a little bit weaker? Or would they drop off? And they didn't. 48-14, that's not just a win, that's a big win. And I think, again, this I, I would guarantee this is the highest scoring game as far as Purdue being able to throw some points up there that the other two have not. I'm going 29-28, and it's a win off a two-point conversion, Brian Dable style. I just figure I may as well just be very specific, because why not? And that's really what I'm thinking. I'm thinking this is the kind of team that's going to go for it, that's going to be risk-takers, aggressive, and I think they're going to win this game, and I think they're going to make a statement to not only us three in Syracuse Nation, but hopefully everyone around the country. And we hear each other's predictions for the first time on this show, by the way. So Sam and I clearly on the same page with this one. <laughs> Will Brendan follow? Let me get there. So I will admit to the fact that while I wasn't on camera last week, I picked UConn to beat the spread and not get blown out because I thought Jim Mora Jr. would have that team ready to go after the first win. SU old Big East rival. It, 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 it didn't happen. And while I was happy, it didn't happen because it made for a pretty easy night here on the weekend to, to write a couple of uh, sports stories. It was disappointing that I was wrong. And I take great pride in the fact when I am right about these sort of things. I am not a betting That's man. It's mature of you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm only 24 years old, so I haven't hit that, you know, like the brain's fully formed. Phase, right? <laughs> um, that being said, um, one of the biggest factors in this game, in my opinion, is actually an injury on the Purdue side to one of their best defensive players, your boy Mike Carmen who we saw that you talked to earlier today, wrote about this Jalen Graham, three-level defender, in his words, out. 
We know that. That is a certainty. I think that SU gets up on Purdue pretty early, and Purdue does end up coming back. But I'm going to go, like, a 31-24 game mm. with SU winning. They win by a touchdown. I just think that SU's defense flies around a lot better than Purdue's. Purdue's may be a lot more balanced across the board, but I think a playmaker like Garrett Schrader makes that obsolete. I think Sean Tucker makes that obsolete. And we've talked about this, and we'll talk about it at length throughout our coverage on the web throughout the course of the week. SU just finds different ways to win. Yes, it's only been two games, but in the first game you saw a methodical approach Nothing too deep in the passing game. Schrader run, Tucker catch and run, short passes, get into the red zone, nine, ten play drives and score. Against UConn, you saw them adapt to a defense moving forward and throwing the ball over the top for two 35-plus yard touchdowns. They're going to need to find a neutral ground within those two where you have a little bit of dink and dunk and then you take the big shot over the field because Purdue's the best team they've played so far. And rightly so, it's going to be a challenge. I think SU weathers the storm, finds a third way to win, whatever that might be, I have no idea, and goes 3-0 and and gets some national consideration. There you go, folks. There you have it. We'll see who's right, who's wrong. And it wouldn't be an Orange Zone podcast without some Orange Zone trivia. And I I'm mean, just going to preface this. I'm going to preface this by saying I'm psyched. Going to grad school with Brendan, I've been around this man's trivia before. What can you tell us about him? I can tell you that it is normally a question that is either historical in some sense or. There is just no way that you would know the answer to it. I've never in my life gotten a trivia question from Brennan that I thought was fair. But prove me wrong. Okay, well, I would, prove like, me right. I would like to preface this by saying... Here we go. Here we, we go. We pulled, it needs to preface. I, need, I pitched this question to the newsroom when I got in today, and somebody did get it right. One person. Well, two people. Brandon Roth and Jana Barnella. Who you Check wouldn't ex- you would not expect ja- I-, I do think Jana just guessed. assistant news director. Yeah, Jana Barnella, th- our news director. Brandon okay. Roth morning features. I, I do think that Jana guessed. And the question is phrased in a way to where you the answers the possible answers are trimmed down significantly. Because I think there are what, like 131 college FBS football teams, teams yeah. in Division One? Yeah. Um, this one, obviously, we're focusing on Purdue this week. It's preface with Purdue. Purdue has had three Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks come through their program. Oh, my gosh. Tying them for the most all-time with this Power 5 football program. Three Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks. Yes. Can we get the Purdue names? You thought that was what I was going to ask you. I was, and I was so nervous. And No, and I was like, here we go. Can we get the Purdue names? Well, you know one. Just for the sake? You know one. Drew Brees. Okay. Bob Greasy, Len Dawson. Are the yeah, I... Oh, my. You knew Brees, one for three. Yes. But I was curious. I was waiting for you to answer that I was that thinking one. you were going to give me the first, the first two, and then I'd be like, yeah, of course, and Brees. I'd sound <laughs> a lot smarter. But yeah, the, You uh, see? You see what um, I'm saying? Can, how, can, we, can we at least get... Can you give me like five answer choices and I'll pick one? No. Why? Because it's my trivia question I mean, and I get to It's a Power rules. 5 school, right? Yeah, it's a Power 5 three, school. Three? Walk, at least walk me through your thought process. Like, I, I, need, I'm going, I need help. To me, I'm going... 
first of all, I have to think of the actual teams. So I'm thinking <laughs> of Big Ten programs. I'm thinking of SEC. Is there one with Ole Miss? Is there one? Uh, is it Ohio State? If we're going Big Ten, mm. are we staying ACC? I, I'm like I'm re- I'm almost prepared to guess. Just guess. I don't think that even no. It's definitely gonna work. be wrong. Just take a guess. Notre Dame. Okay. Tommy, do you have a guess? I I You got it. You got to give on. me your best shot. Hold on. Look at him. What he, are you he couldn't have it. I'm looking at past I'm looking at past champions. I could show everyone Tommy right Sladek here. Tommy Sladek is a cheater. Ben Clear as day. Should I just give you the answer? No, give us a hint. You should I give us give you, you, should, you should give us 5 or 10 schools to pick from. I don't think that was too much to ask. Yeah, I don't think so either. You guys are ridiculous. Five, okay. Five. Okay. Texas Tech, BYU, Oklahoma, Alabama, LSU. I'm going Alabama. Locking it in. I know this is wrong. I'm literally like I I if it's anything. If there's anyone in there pre nineties, I'm just I'm not gonna know. Texas Tech. It is Alabama. But you had to work to get hints. You you don't get that one. Why not? Because you could have guessed Alabama right off the bat. Yeah, I could have. I totally could have. Anyway, Bart Starr, Joe Namath, Ken Stabler, the three Alabama quarterbacks that won Super Bowls. Never would have gotten that. Never would have gotten that. Okay, I will make sure that I give you all cupcake trivia answers. I don't know if it has to be cupcake, but just something gettable. Because not everyone's going to get it. You know what you can get? What? The new SU basketball schedule. You can get into that. I almost forgot about that. that. (laughs) New today? (laughs) SU basketball releasing their schedule for the conference games. We've known about some of the non conference, but. You know the teams. We know this conference. Mm. And, of course, the first game that everyone's eyes goes to, even if you can't help it, Duke home February 18th. That is a Saturday towards the end of the season. So, no more Coach K. No more Coach K? Weird. Should be interesting. Should be. Should be interesting. Got home for, home versus UNC. They're going to be great again. Uh, Sam, anything stick out to you? You know what? I think the idea – of Coach K not being here, I'm curious to see how Duke is going to be in a totally new era, a totally new dynasty. It's a fresh start. It's a new slate. And I'm always interested for coaches when it's their first year, how they do and how the players do under totally new leadership. So that's what I'll have my eyes on as we approach those winter cold months. I will make a mention that it's possible that Syracuse is facing both of our alma maters. You have Colgate, for sure, November 15th. And then in the Empire Classic on November 22nd, St. John's or Temple. And let's not forget that Colgate beat SU last year. How about that? That was a great win for them. How about that? Matt right? Langle's program's legit. They Very are legit. legit. Becoming that perennial power in the Patriot League. When's the Callister on the schedule? Yeah, right? Yeah, I know. It's about saying time. But for Saturday's game, by the way, noon slate. 
We'll be doing a post game going live to YouTube, I believe, after the game. So hopefully that stays true. But regardless of the content, we're going to be churning it out, man. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will step aside for Tommy Sladek, Brandon Hodges. I'm Samantha Croston. Thank you so much for tuning in to our first episode of the Orange Zone Podcast. We'll see you later. See ya.